All right, so Frank, I uh, I have a feeling that I'm gonna I'm gonna try to to not just spend this entire episode getting emotional and being angry and whatever. I'm trying I'm trying to get away from this a little bit. That's bull. That's bullshit. Anybody I'm leaning listens, into it. Anybody so. who listens to the show knows that that's that that's bullshit. Um, but this is gonna be an angrier episode because it's fucking Saturday night. It's late. Drinking's involved, and we might as well just get angry about things to be angry about. So. So before we start off, I want to say thank you to the listeners. We've noticed the numbers as of late, um, and we appreciate the fact that you're riding out this crazy time <laughs> with us. Um, I, I, I think it's more people are just really bored. Yeah, So right? much so that they're like, all right, what are these idiots saying? I, I, I was trying to make it a positive thing. But instead, you made it a realistic thing. Thanks, Frank. Fuck you. Um, You're for a reason. So, uh, so Frank and I tonight are gonna get a little pissy, and um, Frank, I'm gonna let you pretty much guide us through this, um, and and we'll kind of go, you know, at, at we're just gonna wing it. That's what we're gonna do. Um, but where do you so the, where do you want to start? Well, I feel like it's all tied together, right? Everything we're wanting to talk about. We're wanting to talk about Biden cinching the nomination and Sanders essentially throwing his support behind Biden. Correct. Even though they came out today and said that, like, they're going to let Biden or they're going to let uh, Sanders keep his delegates in, like, a, sh- a good show of faith, which ultimately so, means okay. nothing. So, yeah, Biden's. Yeah, exactly. Biden still got the nomination sewn up. But, like, I'm not enthused about that. And I think we've been talking a lot about the potential for civil unrest, which we've been seeing a lot of with groups demanding that the government reopen against the wishes of the government. And then the leader of the government, uh, saying like that he supports the protesters. Right. Just this weird fucking situation, which I want to, uh, I want to yeah. save that for a conversation on the other side of the, of the Biden Sanders conversation, because I can go for 10 minutes on that. That's part. That's a big part of my pissiness on this day. Um, but I do want to talk about the. I do want to talk about the Biden thing because something that has gotten. Let's, let's get that. Let's do that first. Yeah. yeah something that's gotten lost in the uh, the new lockdown normal of whatever the fuck this COVID nineteen pandemic life that we're that we're experiencing right now. Um, Something that's gotten lost in there is the fact that there was a Democratic primary going on when all of this shit started happening, and it quickly fizzled out. And we've talked about it a little bit here and there. Um, obviously, we we the 
we were talking about the writing being on the wall um once really all of the candidates dropped and coalesced around biden um but something else that has disappeared and like look i'm gonna spend the the better part of the next however the fuck many months we have left until november um telling you pleading with you to vote for joe biden but where the fuck is he like i'm not just gonna give this guy a pass forever i don't think it's fair to just give him a pass forever and like with the exception of a couple of statements here and there that are just like mostly about like who who would you pick as vp oh i'm looking at a woman well you know. and and the statements he's made on the pandemic are very milk toast statements right they're very just like hey he's be- a very he's a very milk toast person if we're yeah. being completely honest um, um that's part of the problem i have with him sinking up the nomination is that i have a fear that the democratic party is repeating the mistakes they made in 2016 of picking someone who is very divisive who's very status quo even though the voters you know you who look he at is the data, Joe Biden is the Joe Biden, if elected, will be the president we thought Donald Trump would be. We thought Donald Trump was a guy who didn't really want the presidency, who wasn't really going to run the country. The people around him were going to run the country. This guy was a was a celebrity, a reality TV star who just wanted the title, didn't want the job, wasn't really going to do anything. And I think that's what we will get with Biden is a guy who lets everybody else around him run the country because Biden wants the presidency for a couple of reasons. My friend put it, (laughs) my friend put it the best. He said he Biden wants the presidency for the title and so that he can kiss babies and stuff and like, you know, shake hands and say, I'm president. But like at the end of the day, it, all of those people around him are going to be the one running the he, country. He wants the pomp and like circumstance of being in the history books as right. the whatever forty sixth pre- president. The people around him will be those milk toast establishment Democrat, you, like, yeah, the and, Chuck Schumers, the Nancy Pelosi type politicians. Yeah, the people who've been there for thirty years. We already have signs of this. Um, both Michelle and Barack Obama have come out. In support of Biden, and it's a little alarming. Did you see what Barack Obama said about Biden? I no. And I I mean, he, I, he said that like this isn't. We're not. It's not the same as two uh, thousand eight, and uh, I would not have run my campaign or had the same policy uh, if I was running today. Which to me was like, how the your policy was wrong, and you're admitting that because Donald Trump's in office. Like that's not a great thing to me. You're admitting that a lot of your policy was like flawed yeah i don't know we're not that far removed and if it all it took was an asshole in the office like how did you not see that before well we're not that far removed but life in 2020 even pre-pandemic is very different than life in 2008 was like i mean it just is that 12 years of and and there's like there's a lot that goes into that um a, a big part i think in the changing of society um, between 2008 and 2020 is like our our interconnectedness and and the the fact that we can we have so much information pumped at us and we have uh and, and we're constantly connected and like we're very divided and this has created 
whatever. Um, but like, I kind of agree with Barack Obama. If I was, look, Barack Obama in 2008, when he, uh, when he, campaigned he campaigned on a on policies that where he hope well yeah remember how simple that was well about as simple as make america great um but he his he wasn't even at the point where he was gay marriage is okay if he was running in 2020 he's right he wouldn't run that way because that is not where society is at anymore um, yeah, and I guess that's more of a call. You could read that definitely as more of a call of how much more liberal the Democrats have gotten, and and the you know even if Bernie lost, he had some success in in pulling the Democrats let more left. And I wonder if all, you consider that success. I wonder if that was a statement directed at the Bernie crowd that I wouldn't. I, it almost yeah, it does seem know? to be a little bit of a dig at the socialism of it all, right? Like okay, we'll we'll meet you halfway. Yeah. Which I don't, I think that Barack Obama, had he not, I think if Barack Obama was running now, he would be considerably more progressive than he was. I think um, so. I mean, I also, I part of me wanted to read it as a admission of guilt over leaving Guantanamo Bay open and using more drone strikes and deporting so many people. Yeah. I mean, he did, he, he became it's establishment. The problem with, it's the problem with politicians, right? You spend so many so many minutes trying to decode what they meant to say that you don't know what the like at the end of the day it's useless they could just be silent and we'd have the same fucking guessing game going on right do you think it's at at the end of the day do you think it's good that bernie sanders dropped and endorsed or i think it's good that he endorsed because he can't be then accused of you know which he did for clinton in 2016 he can't be accused or well he didn't for clinton he did but it was kind of late i guess it was at the hairs. it was at the fucking convention <laughs> like yeah i mean kind of late it was like they we didn't know if riots were gonna happen that day so <laughs> like really in real life like we didn't know that yeah i mean okay yeah so that, it was late and i guess this time he'll be able to um sidestep that criticism but yeah. at the end of the day like i don't I don't think, and I've read the, I've read the Nate Silver five thirty eight and all the real clear politics poll showing that like Biden had the most support of any politician, but man, it doesn't feel that way. It doesn't. I I, I mean, before the pandemic, at least, I did not meet that many people who were enthusiastic about Biden. Here's the, the way thing. that I met like I oh. met Elizabeth Warren supporters. I met a lot of Bernie people. I met. Okay, here's the thing. Like, I met Buttigieg people. I I agree with you, um, but. But also not. Um, I think that Biden probably is the candidate that had the most support. If you take all of those candidates that other than Bernie Sanders, if you take all of those candidates, Buttigieg and Klobuchar and whatever, like all of those guys were getting like three, four, five, six, seven percent of the vote. Um, even Mike Bloomberg, who bought a shit ton, didn't get any, didn't get dick at the end of the day. So if you add all of those guys up, they don't even come to where Bernie Sanders was. And like, here's what, here's what, to your point, I will say, I think there was more passion for all of the other candidates than Joe Biden. But I think there was more support for Joe Biden because the bernie crowd didn't show up like if look at the fucking numbers he had less voters in 2000 
20 than he had in 2016. You can't win a fucking primary if your voters aren't showing up. So you can have a bunch of passionate people online, and I was one of them. I did show up to vote for Bernie Sanders, and then he got fucking blown out in Missouri. Um, But, you know, like, I don't know, man. I, I think it's hard to say. Yes, all of those candidates dropped on the same night, and that was clearly a coalescing around Joe Biden. But is that the way the political system works, or is that rigging it? Because to me, it feels more like the former than the latter. I mean, yeah, I won't disagree with you, but I do. I I wonder if so many people supporting Biden is more people wanting to return to the 2016 era of Obama or the 2012 era of Obama politics that we like. Especially the more liberal of us probably yearn for after four years of Trump, which in reality has felt like 20. in, In my opinion, it's so much simpler than that. In my opinion, the reason that Biden had the majority of people is for the same reason that before we knew anyone else who was going to be in the race for a couple of years, I've been saying like, it's going to be Biden because Biden has the name recognition. Everybody knows who Joe Biden is because he was our vice president for eight years under a very popular, especially with Democrats, Barack Obama. Um, And uh, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I really think that's pretty much it. He had the name recognition to get people to say, I know Joe and go out and vote for him. And when you add up the other three percents on top of each other, they they don't equal. And even if Bernie Sanders could have won um, the primary with the amount of enthusiasm, I agree that the people who were enthusiastic for Bernie Sanders were they were enthusiastic for Bernie Sanders and and very passionate about his policies but when it came to showing up at the polls that same passion wasn't there and even if it was I I just don't know man I think at Bernie Sanders numbers the amount of people that were voting for him even if he had won the primary he could not have beaten Trump at those numbers so can i ask you about how do you feel about obama's endorsement do you feel like because he didn't endorse biden during the primary but would we expect obama to endorse any democrat during the primary i I mean he didn't in a perfect world in a perfect world if a politician really endorsed the policy he would be he would be endorsing the whole time it'd be like to hell with the optics i'm going to do what's right yeah, but politics is about optics. So, oh, hundred percent. So, so I think I think compare it to 2016, okay? It, it, because we're talking about Barack Obama's endorsement here. After, it was damn pretty damn clear that Hillary Clinton was going to be the nomination. Barack Obama did not give his endorsement until Bernie Sanders stepped down at the convention. Then. And only then did Barack Obama, like Barack Obama was like, I'm staying the fuck out of it. Like the second that Bernie announced that he was dropping months ahead of time, this time, uh, Barack Obama came out. I think the optics are the same. You don't get involved with the race because you want to throw your support behind the person that you want to beat the guy you want to beat. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but I think that if you look at how quickly he came out for Joe Biden, as opposed to how reluctantly he was to throw his support behind Hillary Clinton, it it looks better for Joe Biden. Like it looks more like political optics than, man, I'm holding my nose and doing this. Like with Clinton, it looked like he was holding his nose. Yeah, I think that's right. So um, do you want to, so that gives me my next point about, so I've been freaking myself out. I think a lot of us have with COVID-19 and the predictions. And then now we have people who are protesting and wanting to go back to normal Yeah, can before we, we've, we've can flattened we, the curve. Can we bitch about them for a couple of minutes real quick? Oh, go for it. Because like, this is insane to me. Like we know that all of the countries that have been successful at, flattening curves and um and and maintaining a low uh, containing covid-19 yeah. have all gone crazy with testing well uh, yeah i mean uh, and we have examples like china who thought they had a, a, a hole on it and then reopened cinemas and you know all this shit and then had to reclose them because we, the outbreaks got worse we have examples like germany who got it like a fucking long ass time ago and never had any kind of issue like Spain or Italy or the United States. Like they got it very, very Germany got it very early in the game. And you know, it just, I don't know it. What we know is that containing it is going to take a shit ton of testing. I can't believe that the government right now that the federal government i can because it's fucking donald trump and i've been saying i can't believe for four fucking years um so i absolutely can believe but it just it it boggles my mind that like we have a president right now who is blaming governors for a lack of testing instead of working together to figure out how to do that and at the same time trying to rush us back to opening the already shut down economy. It just, it seems like a bad plan because if you don't have testing and you open the economy and shit gets bad again and it overwhelms the healthcare system again, we have to shut down again. So I think, I think Trump is almost like hedging his bets, right? Because he originally said that he had all the power to decide when the economy reopened, even though he let governors decide when to shut down individual States and wouldn't do it nationally. But then he gave in and said, like, all right, well, governors have the power to reopen. But now he's tweeting all this stuff about, like, liberate Michigan, liberate Pennsylvania, whatever. And now you have a bunch of people standing shoulder to shoulder at state capitals protesting lockdowns that are meant for their fucking health and safety. And what's crazy to me and the biggest irony of that entire aspect of this whole fucking thing is... Their reasoning for being there is that businesses are losing money. The, the majority of people who, who are higher up in companies are working at home right now, right? The majority of people in upper and mid-management are like isolated and working at home. Essential people are not essential people, but like the lower tier, the work, the working class person got laid off or got stopped from working. I mean, this yeah. idea that they're hurting the business. So we need to open the business so that 
the profits from the business can magically trickle down to the essentials and everybody can be rich and prosperous and live happily ever after like it was six weeks ago, right? It, it doesn't make sense to me how there are people out protesting on behalf of businesses that aren't really looking out for them in the first place. I mean... I mean, yeah, because honestly, if they wanted to protest small business, right, they would be protesting that the government needs to recoup all these businesses that have already gone out of, you know, that have already closed up shop, that have already boarded up their windows. Because the most vulnerable right. small businesses didn't last the first month of quarantine because mm. they were living, you know, I mean, literally bill to bill, rent to rent. Right. So to me, that's a ridiculous idea. Like, if you truly want to support businesses, why aren't you out there? protesting about like we need a better st stimulus plan for any business that that right. goes bankrupt in the next month right gets a pass and the government you know well and because at the end of the day we do all want to get back to work so the fucking so what we should be out there yeah. well, well we shouldn't be out there protesting but what we should be doing is calling our governors calling our congressmen calling whoever the fuck and demanding that our jobs have PPE. That our jobs or have, that have a way that I mean, it's a weird thought. But what if there was just a date that, like, if your business had to close after this date, you get to file for a stimulus, and the government picks up that check, like, and we just decide that, like, we're not going to let COVID, you know, close one, you know, one small business in our country. What's insane to me, though, is, and what's scary to me is the insustainability of how many stimulus plans do you pass. I'm not saying that you don't do it. I'm not saying it's the wrong thing to do. I think it's the right thing to do right now because, like, what the fuck else are you going to do? But, but remember, like, how many, can, it, how many can you write before the country is just printing its own money? Well, in, in 2007, eight, like, that was a $700 billion deal that people freaked the fuck out about. This is $2 trillion that's already passed, and they're already talking about new phases of it. I mean, they're already – we're on phase four, right? Because there was one pass yeah. for the general population – one for businesses and then one for like uh, airports and shit, right? Like bigger industries. They're, yeah, I mean they were all mixed. In I mean, together. I just know that we're on like at least stimulus three or four at this point. I know that we're on four at least now, and I know that uh, because they the um, the business loan program has already run out of money. That's the other. Yeah, thing I was, too. I, I was I, reading I, about that. Is that that is so embarrassing? I don't know how Jesus. I don't know how this is sustainable. You know, like when you think. I mean, about it's it, not at this point. I don't know how many people have filed for unemployment, but I know that like the idea that we're going to hit twenty percent. I mean, like people. Do you remember Steve? Steve or uh, was it Mnuchin saying that like we'll never hit twenty percent unemployment? That's not COVID won't do that. And now the idea that we can hit twenty percent is like the lowball number. Yeah, they were talking about the the. They were talking about 30% a couple of times. Like, you know, like that's, I don't know, man. I, I like it's, I understand that the economy has to open back up because, but if the economy opens back up too early and, and then the, all the healthcare system gets overwhelmed again and everything has to shut down, like how you can't take people off unemployment and, back into the workforce and off furlough and off leave and off vacation and off whatever the fuck you have worked out for them right now. Like you can't 
and and especially the people who have applied for the government loans like you cannot stop those loans pay like give back that fucking money bring people back for a week and a half and then take them out of the workforce again like it I mean, doesn't that's, work that's a great point yeah i also wonder how i mean it's a very it's also the idea that like if we at this point if we send people back to the work you know back to work right now and then another wave comes through and hits and and it's even worse because people are now interacting again then all the social distancing we did for the last month month plus has been worth nothing right right all the fucking toilet paper that hasn't been on shelves all of the fucking yeah. like uh, everything that's been closed like how much harder will businesses get hit the second time that they have to shut after they just lost all that money because you know that as from where we stand right now as what has gone on so far there are businesses that will not fucking come back from this because they can't i mean and, we already know that like even in our local area the gold's gym like the as already said like we're not going to reopen any st louis locations right because they're losing money and you know well and then it's it's scary to think how many businesses operate you know month to month they're dependent on their numbers not dipping enough not you know dipping down because when they did they literally couldn't afford rent and to keep their staff you know like right they're not that much different than the average american family which is one paycheck away from the poverty line right yeah yeah i don't know it's it's crazy but this gets to my bigger point about civil unrest and what I'm worried about come November because what I'm worried is that Biden will either – there's two scenarios I see and neither one of them are good. Is that um, that Biden wins but doesn't win by a whole lot, in which case that Trump won't accept the, the results of the election, maybe because of mail-in votes, which are now becoming a big you know hot topic of debate. Or because of just because his ego can't accept him to lose. Right. And if that happens, if, and I don't think Biden is going to be winning a landslide in any, I don't think there's nearly enough um, of a like passionate fan base to carry him to an old landslide election. Very few presidents get a landslide anyway. You think if we did. Uh, um, and they're always against opponents who have very weak fan bases to begin with. And Trump uh, has a very fervent one, even though it's not particularly large in the like, national scheme of things. Sound. Um, but the other scenario is that like Trump wins and we get another four years. And at, at that point, like, I wonder how many people just, especially younger people just check out of politics and voting, you know? Yeah. How many times in 20 years can the, you know, if Trump wins the same way, especially if he wins losing the popular vote, but getting the electoral college, how many people are just going to be like, well, fuck it. Voting doesn't matter. I'm not voting anymore. We well, already have a country that barely like how many people vote in this country? Like a third. Yeah. Yeah. Here's what I wonder, though. And now, again, I'm an anti-Trumpite. Um, but <laughs> but how... Anti-dentite, like, I think, is the term you're looking yeah, for. I think so. Um, but when you look at the way that he has handled this whole thing, how does he even get the Electoral College? Like... I mean, he's fighting with governors in those states right now, and he's passing the book. Like, I think this could fuck him. Like, I actually it, think this could fuck him. And like, and it it and could it, because for the longest time we were saying the one thing he has to run on is the economy, and the economy has. I mean, we've lost everything. He all the gains Trump has made in his four years 
in the first four months of this year. Right. Now, there are people that would, there are economists, I think, that are still saying that if that were to rebound rebound quickly enough, that it would come back. Um, but I don't know, man, because like that, a lot of that depends on like the whole world's bullshit and the whole world's yeah. bullshit is bullshit. Well, and getting to your point about how Trump could win is like, well, look, if you if we're really looking at approval rating numbers, which we've been taking pretty, you know, weekly polls since Trump got elected, his approval rating has not dipped that much. We keep saying like, oh, he suffered a a dip during the Mueller report or a rise here or there, but it's been within such a narrow range that you really can't say his numbers issue. Most people who support Trump support Trump across the board. There's not that many people in between. Especially after four years. We know how we feel about the guy. Right. But I don't know that the approval ratings and the way that people are going to vote or have voted in the past def- necessarily correlate 100%. Because I think there are more people That's fair. at this point willing to say, yeah, I like him. No, I don't like him. Than there are to defini- like to definitely vote. And so like we don't know... If somebody is being polled, like, do you like this guy? That is not the same as, are you going to vote for this guy? And so since we don't know. And that's that's not even throwing in the extra wrinkle of coronavirus. If this lasts until November or December and and write-in votes become a real big hot-button issue, hot-topic issue between, you know, especially a polarized political issue. Right. That's going to play a huge role into how many people actually vote this year. Yeah, that's true. And if you are concerned about voting, you can check out our Facebook page where I have already posted uh, how the information on how to get an absentee ballot in your state. Um, yeah, we'll link that in the uh, show notes. <laughs> That'll be like the first thing we do. Now, I will say that there are a handful of states, Missouri is one of them, where you have to have a reason to um, to have, to vote absentee ballot. There are There's a good number of states where you don't have to have a reason at all you just request an absentee ballot and you do it there are rules there are time frames to when uh you can send them in when they have to be mailed by and like between so that information check that out state by state um but i know missouri is one of the states where you have to um have an excuse now i went through it and and as I was reading it, there are, I don't think it would be very hard in a time of pandemic to check the box where it's like, hey, there's one where it's you uh, that says like it's literally like health reasons don't allow me to get out the door. Right. Yeah. It was like, like it was like health reasons or some Ill, it was maybe it was worded like illness or whatever. But in the era of pandemic, I would think that an illness that they're telling you to stay the fuck at home about is a valid reason for checking that box i also don't think and, anybody's gonna knock on your fucking door and, and ask yeah like, i i mean the, the the very few amount of times we've seen pe- voter fraud especially by mail-in ballot i really don't think they're gonna haul anybody into court and be like prove to me that you weren't available to go get in a car and go vote in person on this date right well and like how are you gonna prove that like dude, i'm scared to go to the polls because i don't want to get sick and pass the shit around that you've been telling me to stay the fucking side about yeah show them the cdc guidelines right so but i am go ahead go ahead no you go for it all right um i have seen 
stories um, that social distancing could be around until 2022. Um, what do you think and about I've, that? I've seen stories similar being like, we're never going back to the way things were. This is... I could see the, that. This is post 9-11 things. This is... But then I think like, okay, well, did the 1918 plague, which... We, which happened, you know, a hundred years ago, before we even knew about, you know, a lot of the medical advances we know about in the last hundred years, it didn't. I mean, it affected society, but society went back to normal pretty quickly after it, right? I don't think pretty quickly after it, though, because like, I mean, and and some people do wear masks and stuff, I guess. Yeah. Well, and weren't they like throwing people in, like, they were throwing people in tuberculosis hospitals and shit, and like the fucking. 30, well, 40s, I mean, 50, how sixty? Like when the fuck ever that was? I don't. I yeah, don't but how much is. of that was just like that's always been the. I mean, we always uh, look back and view our treatment of people with lobotomies and stuff as being very like uh, archaic. Yeah, yeah, but there were laws in cities when the tuberculosis thing was going on that you could not spit on the sidewalk. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know. No, that, yeah, that, that's a good point. Like, I when shit like this happens. I think it it does take a while to go back. I don't think when Fauci said that, like, I don't know if we should ever shake hands again. I was like, dude, I was thinking that a week ago. I'm like fucking way ahead of you. Um, I, so uh, I, I, I wonder know. how much that is just a doctor, though. If you ask a qualified medical professional, should you shake hands? He would look at it from a germ point of view and be like, well, no. There's no reason, like, you should, you know, yeah, but, I'll, allow, I'll allow kissing because of marriage and love and blah, blah, blah. But, like, handshake? No. Why don't we bow? That's the safer way to do it. Yeah, I'm not even doing kissing and stuff. Like, Stacy and I are intimate with our eyes now. <laughs> <laughs> Can you explain to me in, in two sentences how that works? I will not explain to you. Is it a lot of, like, eyebrow action, I'm guessing? <laughs> oh. It, Is that, like, foreplay in the I, eyes? <laughs> Have you ever seen the people's eyebrow? Or something like that. I never found it sexy, though. I guess, I guess you know, I never, g- agree to disagree. You've never seen it the way I've seen it, bro. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> the Devil's Advocate Podcast is a product of Fever Heart Productions. It is created and hosted by Brandon Condick with engineering by Franklin Everhart. It also features additional contributions by Jim Hillman and Mitchell Hernandez. Original music for this podcast is courtesy of Wacko Swami with an additional score by Jet Black Pope. Follow us on Twitter at TDAPDark and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash TDAPDark. If you like this show, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes and be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm going to step away for just a second so I won't be able to hear you for a second. Cool, I can say bad things about you. I look at him singing like a dunce. What an asshole. We would do a podcast with this guy. It's fucking embarrassing. All right, I'm back. Um, <laughs> what you talking shit?